Welcome to CEO to Rainmaker, the Inland Empire's best small business podcast. The show's goals are to educate, motivate, and inspire today's business owners, leading to an increase in their executive skills, profits, and length of time in business. And now your host, Gene Valdez. Episode number 57, it's time to make dust with Mrs. Jan Steiner, former CEO of Thoreau Packaging. And if you don't mind, audience, I'd like to just go over a really brief chronology of Thoreau. In 1968, Jan's father, Macy Daybeck, formed Thoreau Packaging, short run folding cartons in Corona, California. He saw a need and he filled the void. By 1970, the company grew such that it necessitated a move to a larger facility. In June of 1982, because of poor health, Macy stepped down and the board of directors named Macy's daughter, Janet Daybeck Steiner, as the new CEO and president. In 1990, the company moved again to their present location in Corona, which is a 54,000 square foot facility. So all along the way, the company's sales were growing, which necessitated more space, which is a good thing. In 2003, the company acquired an additional 38,000 square feet bringing the company total to 92,000 square feet, big building. Under Janet's guidance, Thoreau enjoyed unprecedented success over the years as she scaled the business from 1 million to 40 million until it was sold four years ago. Let me run that through you again. 1 million to 40 million. That is unbelievable growth. And all along the way, sustaining the profit, the name, et cetera. Now in her post-throw life, Jan is a much sought-after motivational keynote speaker, consultant, and writer. Janet received the Printing Industries American Southern California Executive of the Year Award. It is my great pleasure to bring out Jan Steiner. Hi, Janet. How are you? And thank you so much for coming on the show. Hi, Gene. I'm great. It's great to be here. Thank you. My pleasure as well. So, Jan, are you originally from Southern California? No, I uh, grew up in New Jersey. And New my Jersey? Dad was, uh-huh, my dad was a tradesman in New Jersey, and they got tired of the cold winters and because of my health, too. We packed up and moved to uh, Southern California, and that's when my dad got a new career himself selling to the folding carton industry, and that's when he saw the need for a high-quality short-run folding carton company. Right. I got it. I got it. So I just can't imagine what the price of a house was in Southern California at that time when you <laughs> moved less. from New Jersey. <laughs> yeah. They were affordable. So do yeah. you have any brothers or sisters? No, I met. Okay. So you come from a family of entrepreneurs. Was your mom involved in the business too? Or was it just your dad? <laughs> mom was involved under protest. <laughs> <laughs> what is it? So did she want your, your dad to get a regular job and a regular paycheck? She knew my dad's passion 
uh, was always to have its own company. I mean, we went looking mm-hmm. at uh, avocado groves. We went looking at bowling alleys and stores. And he wanted his own company. And that was his passion to do that. And so when he finally chose the folding carton industry, he did it with a partner. The partner landed up backing out and it left my mom and, and dad um, with a big responsibility. And my dad being the stubborn Pollock that he was, he was mm-hmm. bound and determined to do whatever he could to make this company a success. And I was there as much as I could to help support them. Well, that was kind of my next question. So did you work there uh, as a kid just to be around your dad, just sweeping the floor? Or when did you feel like you were an integral part of the team? Well, my dad started in all honesty, right after I got out of high school. Okay. so I was going to junior college. I was a volunteer labor and I Uh would go there and do whatever I could to help. After I completed my uh, first uh, accounting 101 at Fullerton uh, Junior College is what it was called at the time. My Uh dad said, "Okay, now it's time to do the books at Thorough. And I went, oh, my gosh, it took me hours and hours to do the books because there's no check figures compared to what you were doing, you know, before at school. And I completed the books uh, for that month. And I think he gave me a check for um, I think it was ten dollars. And he said, and don't cash it because we don't have the money. And I said, yeah, I already know that part. So that's, <laughs> that's how I started in that and just doing general help. And then I got my own career also. And which that. was what? Which oh, was what? I was I was on the executive training program at Sears. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. So you wanted to pursue retailing and, in, and yes. you were sort of helping your dad out, but that wasn't your first choice. No, and uh, one thing about retailing, I always had a day off during the week and I would go to the plant on that day and help do whatever needed to be done, including um doing the books and anything else. So from the time that you graduated or from the time you graduated from high school, working the books with your dad, how, how many years were you associated with the company? Probably um, six years, maybe. And then he called me and he said, uh, I would like you to come to work here full time. I said, well, dad, Sears pays me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he said, OK, I'll pay you. So that's when I started. It was a one-girl office. It was a very, very small one-girl office. This was in Corona? No, we were in Anaheim. Anaheim, okay. And then once you did that, till the time the company was sold, how long were you involved with the business? Are we looking at 20 years, 25? (laughs) Um, I was CEO for 36 years. 36 years. Wow. So, uh, and then the company was eventually sold. Yes. Is the is the company? Do you have any affiliations with the company now? Or was there a complete separation now? It's, There's a complete separation, except that I still try to associate with some of the people that are there because there's some really special people there. Right, but they're they're in this the, the core business that that you and your dad started mm-hmm. with, and then they've also probably diversified into their own. A little bit, yes. But yeah. I wanted a strategic buyer, and that's what I found. Okay. So now you're in the new stage of your life as a motivational speaker. Mm-hmm. Why did you decide to do this? Well, when I took over Thorough in 1982, there were no women doing what I was doing. Okay. And I would be looked 
past me, people would look at, you know, different uh, equipment suppliers and different people out there, like who's really making the decisions. And so I felt like I had kind of a tough road um, to hoe. Actually, I did have a tough road to hoe. And so what I really wanted to do after that was be able to be an encouragement to women. Okay. And that was, that's, that was the, the mission statement or the purpose why you chose that. You just didn't want to retire and take your money and travel around the world. You wanted well, I'm to doing just... that too, but. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, do you miss not being a CEO? No. Okay. I loved it, loved it, loved it. Like every day. Well, there were some days I probably didn't love it, but <laughs> I basically uh, really enjoyed my role. I enjoyed um, strategically planning the growth of the company. But when it got to that point where I was, I was ready. It, I needed to. Uh, it's a very capital intensive business, and to stay a leader, which we were out there, really qual- a leader in quality packaging, and that's how we grew. Uh, I needed to make another investment of about another ten million dollars in equipment. And at my age, I really didn't want to sign on the line for that. Yeah, I've always I done that. Me. I did that all along and I was okay with that. It's a big gamble, but when you're gambling like that, um, you know that the odds are good because you're in control. Yeah. Gotcha. So what does an average uh, work week look like for you now? Now? Oh, (laughs) well, number one on my list is fun. Okay. And so I do a lot of fun. I have a lot of friends who I get together with. and But I do also some mentoring. And I do mentoring primarily for women in the pulp and paper industry and different industries, but primarily in that. And again, I actually have a, somebody in the foster care system that I'm doing some mentoring for as well. And I've been involved with um, Prentice School. That's a school in Tustin that specializes with children with slight learning challenges like dyslexia and I'm dyslexic. So what they're doing with the kids is phenomenal. And I think that's so powerful. So I just left that board, but I was quite involved with that. And right now I'm still involved with the Corona Chamber of Commerce. And that's where I've been involved with some of their committees and different things. And I've enjoyed that. So that's, takes up some of my time as well. But that's going to be kind of going by the wayside as well, as I'm going to be leaving the board at the end of this year. I gotcha. So I was researching your bio and one of your taglines on your motivational collateral piece is it's time to make dust. What <laughs> it's time to make dust. What do you mean by that, Jan? It's time to make dust. A former employee that had moved up to Oregon uh, found this poster and it's these cowboys charging over this hill and it says yeah. if you don't make dust you eat dust and she saw that and bought it and sent it to me and she said that's you and it is because becoming a leader staying a leader if you're the leader you're out there making the dust and the people behind you have to eat your dust uh, I got so that's what it's all about, you know, being that leader out there, being the best that you can be in whatever industry that you're involved with. So is that sort of your central motivation team today when you go on the circuit and 
as a keynote speaker or an author or a consultant? Yes, that's a lot of it. Also, I'd like to share some of my past learnings from running a company like I did. Absolutely. That was some of one of the things that you had said in one of your podcasts. It was like 25 keywords to see how good you do on these uh, words. And that that really resonated with me because when my dad started, uh, he started uh, bootstrapped. You know, they say the friends and family, but it was basically my dad and what resources that my dad and mom had to start this business with a partner. But then the partner landed up leaving and they landed up having to buy him out. Right. And then later on is bringing in uh, investors. I say, be careful with that. My dad did bring in an investor that owned 25% of the business. In honesty, I don't know whether we would have made it if he didn't bring him on. But also sometimes selling to something or getting an investor like that can be um, letting the devil into your operation. Because sure. Sure. this guy was very, very, very challenging. And I was able to buy him out after my father passed away. It was very difficult, but we did that. But then you're talking about, I think, factoring as well. That's what we started with. We started with factoring. Factoring is the most expensive way to get your money. Yes, it is. And however, when you're small and starting, banks don't really, they're not there for you. Um, I was just talking to a woman and she said, well, I was told that you should never put your own money into a company. You should get a bank to invest. I said, well, banks don't want to invest unless they feel that you're committed. Sure. And how, how are you committed if you haven't put your own funds in? So, and that makes sense. I get it. So we factored for a long time and then we were able to graduate into accounts receivable financing. <laughs> yes. Very familiar with it. Uh-huh. And that's a better way. It's not as expensive but it's still uh, a cost out there. Along those lines, I really want to say how important it is to pay your suppliers promptly. Do whatever you can. And if you can't pay them, call them, be upfront. I actually developed relationships with some of our suppliers. We will send you that short little bit of money. Uh, Please keep sending us, but I promise that I will send you something. I will send whatever it is and keep your word. Right. Right. Once you develop that relationship with your suppliers, they will help support you. And that was in the earlier days. And in the l- later days, we did pay our bills very promptly. And there was an advantage to that because say if we needed to have part of a job traded out for doing something special on it, and we were told that it was going to take two weeks because there's all these other jobs. There were a couple of times I called the owners of the company and I said, um, Thorough pays our bills, your bills really promptly. Can you move that order up? Guess what? Oh, yeah. They did. They Smart did. Move. So pay attention to your accounts payable, to your suppliers, because they're your lifeblood. Other than your sales, they are your lifeblood. Well, and well then, put. And then the other thing, I, and I'm rattling all this off, is uh, your accounts receivable. You must stay on top of your accounts receivable. And if you send somebody something and they owe you money and they want the next shipment or they want something else, fine, we'll make that delivery to you. Our driver will be picking up a check at the same time. 
So do you, reading between the lines, Jan, uh, in your journey from scaling your business from a million to 40 million, the number one challenge was continued access to financing and capital and just managing the cash flow so that everybody's getting paid. Yeah, they have that term, cash is king. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because if you don't have cash, where are you going to go? So, and then how do you go about doing it? And that was one thing that right from the early days, I really got a great lesson with my dad because they had no money. (laughs) Right. But that's amazing how you did that. And we live very conservatively. I I said my heritage is Polish. Uh, We ate... um, Hot dogs, hot dogs and sauerkraut, maybe four or five times a week because it was cheap. Yeah. Yeah. But we always have Costco, though. So it's still a buck fifty for a hot dog. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Yeah. Thank goodness. And I heard that they said that they're not going to increase their price. (laughs) Uh, So share with me a little bit. Maybe you've already done it. I don't want to be redundant, but. Mm-hmm. Um, when you're out there as a motivational speaker, what are you telling the audience, um, whether it's gender specific or just good business practices in general, other than what you just said now, financing, cash flow, managing that, et cetera? Mm-hmm. That's really, it's so important. Well, one of the last things that I spoke about one time was um, uh, this was more of a, a woman's audience. However, it was about having a pity party. We can all have a pity party. And I don't know, do guys have a pity party sometimes? Yeah, but they hide it well. Okay. Well, women don't always hide it so well. (laughs) So when you're having a pity party, I think it's okay because sometimes you have to be sad about something. However, you have to have a time that says, okay, This is a situation. When will that pity party end? When will I be able to move on? Because you can either be pitiful or powerful. Oh, I like that. I like that. Well, I got that from Joyce Meyer, that you can be pitiful or powerful, and we can be bitter or better. Bitter or better only has one letter in between them, right? Right. Right. And so we have that choice, and that's something that we get to choose. But sometimes it's okay to have a pity party. We just need to have a time on it. So right about the time I was ready to say that, something happened and I went, oh, okay. And I identified now, okay, I'm having a pity party. Oh, okay. I better have a call time on this. Otherwise, it's going to come back and get me, you know. But uh, yeah. Um, well, it just, in this era of diversity and inclusion, and, and I don't know, because it's, good PR for big corporations to wave that flag? Or do they really mean it in their heart? Some of them do. I think some of them are just going through the motions. But, uh, you know, one out of every five privately owned businesses in America is owned by a woman. Uh And so it is a growing economic niche in the overall small business community. Yes, And that's good business, but Uh not... And maybe you consider yourself from the school of hard knocks. The challenge is, is we have to help these female entrepreneurs learn the game, learn the money game, because everybody's trying to sell somebody something that they don't necessarily need. Yes, that's true. That's true. 
Yeah, money makes the world go round. And um, it's really important to be able to have uh, an understanding of that. Um, I know, and sometimes some real creative people, that part of their brain doesn't function um, as well. I mean, they're extremely creative, but they don't have the money side down, which I think is the other side of the brain. Yeah. Did your dad live long enough to see the magnitude uh, and the size of the company? Um, no. And that's no, probably a sad part of your heart. You, say, I, you know, yes. it makes me choke up. But I do believe that dad, dad sees, dad knows what, what has been accomplished. And um, I sold the, um, the business and I was able to buy um a place down closer to the water down in San Diego. And I um I have sat on the deck and I said to my dad, dad made it possible. One of my board of directors told me something very interesting. He said, I don't think you could have done what your dad did. And your dad couldn't have done what you did. Right. You blended well. We blended well. Uh, at the end we didn't always get along so well. <laughs> but his yeah. personality had changed as he got sick. But he died at 59. Oh, geez, he was so young. He was so young. Yes, yes. So he didn't get to see, but I believe that he knows. He knows that what he started is continuing on. And my dad was a um, tradesperson, uh, and we were in the printing industry. And I found out that Riverside Community College has a really good printing program, but their printing presses were so old, they couldn't get parts for them. Right. So I have worked in partnership with Heidelberg, one of the premier uh, manufacturers of offset printing equipment in the world. Yes. And with the school and those new presses, uh, those old presses have been removed and in construction right now is a brand new printing press with new technology that's going to be going into the school in the next few months. That is awesome. That is awesome. And from there, um, Heidelberg um, greatly reduced the price. And so, but this is part of my mom and dad's legacy. And I'm, they're going to have a plaque up there or something that says that this press is uh, dedicated in the name of Macy and Helen Daybeck, which I'm very excited about. That's going to be coming in and, Heidelberg has decided also, it's going to be announced uh, the middle of October, that they're going to support this whole program with some scholarship money for Wonderful. a five-year program, five years of giving uh, annual scholarships to students. That, so, Jan, this is an incredible story. I um, know, isn't it? I'm so excited about and it. You, and you live the dream. So, we've almost run out of time. If if there were some parting comments that you give today's generation of work, of, of CEOs, if you will, regardless of gender, uh -huh. uh, I'm sure you learned a lot other than what we've already talked about. You have something else to share? Well, one of the things I'm working on now, and this also applies to a lot of CEOs that are not college graduates, um, not all high schoolers are geared for a four-year college. And there's a lot of people who have come out of um, high school, have maybe gone to some junior college, and then have become entrepreneurs themselves. And I really um, think that that's outstanding. There's so many uh, opportunities out there for people that have drive. You have to have the drive. And you have to have the stick to -itiveness. 
And you have to, when things get not the best, you have to pick yourself up and keep going, get over that pity party and move on. You can be pitiful or powerful. Wonderful. If any of my listeners would like to get a hold of you relative to your motivational key speaking, uh, consulting, writing, questions, what's the best way to get a hold of you these days? Well, there is a, uh, I'm on LinkedIn. Okay. As, uh, am I as Janet Steiner or Jan Steiner? I'm sorry, I forget offhand. One or the other. And I am there. That would be a really, really good place uh, to get a hold of me through LinkedIn. Okay. Well, I'll put your contact information on the show notes. Okay. And I can't, um, this has just been an unbelievably uh, moving story. And I thank you for your time. And I'll let you know all the positive feedback, I, which I know that I'm going to get. <laughs> thank you, Gene. One other thing when it comes to the money, yes. when you know that the bank is willing to give you a line of credit. That's when you know you've arrived. That's when you know you've arrived. Yes, exactly. When they're willing to give you a line of credit, you know. Yeah, so. <laughs> I got it. I got it. Well, you have okay. a wonderful day today. Thank you so much. And now I know what it's time to make dust means. Yeah, I, I love that. I look at you're doing that in your podcast. Yep. Yeah. I'm trying. You are. Okay, you're succeeding. All right. So All have right. a good day today, uh-huh, and um, I hope I meet you someday. All right. Likewise. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. All right. So that's a wrap, listeners. If you enjoyed the show, give me a like, give me a positive review, and subscribe. Tune in next week for another, which I think is going to be kind of hard to follow up, follow up Jan. But next Monday morning, um, cancel me and talk to you later. Bye-bye. This has been CEO Terrain Maker with Gene Valdez. To find out more, like us on Facebook, LinkedIn, and follow us on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter. If you have questions, email the show. Find that link and others in the show notes. Thanks for listening and join us again next time.